0: Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, One of our scholars here, our biblical scholars, Caroline Yates, asked a great question um, it's, going through the Lord's Prayer has generated a lot of questions and we've gotten some feedback, but I love Caroline's question because I think it may be on your mind uh, too. Um, but she wondered, why do sometimes we say debts and sometimes we say trespasses and sometimes we sin? Is that the Presbyterians are debtors and Lutherans are sinners and Methodists are trespassers? I mean, what is going on there? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wanted please, just, no, you hadn't? Okay, well, just pretend like you have. Uh, it'll make the sermon better. Um, this is sort of a Paul Harvey, it's a great question. This is kind of a Paul, Paul Harvey, now you know the rest of the story. Um, but if you, look at, uh, if you look at what we just heard, well, well, this is what we Methodists say, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass um, against us. But if you go over, that's that's kind of Matthew, kind of not. But I'll tell you that in a second. You'll understand in a second. Um, if you go over to Luke, right? Luke says, "Forgive us our sins." Hey, martia. It's, it's uh, the Greek word for missing the mark. Anytime hey is in the New Testament, Koine Greek, it means sin. You've missed the mark. You've somehow have missed. Uh, you've swung and missed. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive those who are indebted, Ophai, I can't say it, but you can see it, can't you? Um, that is a word of commerce. That's an economic word. That's about debts. You might remember, um, if, uh, if you go to Leviticus 25 and you'll see this amazing, like the year of Jubilee, when all debts are forgiven... Right, um, and how many times have you thought somebody was rude to you? And what do you say? They what? Owe me an apology, right? So debts, debts in Luke. Okay, then then let's go to um, Matthew six twelve. What 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 uh, West just just read? So if you're really looking at the strict Greek in Matthew six twelve, where we get our Lord's prayer, where Protestants Catholics get their Lord's prayer from. Um, it is. The, the, the best, the tightest and most accurate translation is... ...and forgive us our debts, Ophelima... ...as we also have forgiven our debtors, Ophelilante. So um, why, why is that? Why is that? So yeah, I mean, if we were over at West, West, uh, Westminster... Um, ...they'll be saying debts, the Presbyterians will be saying debts... ...our Episcopalian friends over here to the left and to the right... They'll be saying trespasses like we do. Um, Roman Catholics say trespasses, um, which I'm not quite sure. Um, that's, that's a whole nother thing, but we can talk a little bit about that. Um, so here, here's, the, here's the other thing, though, that's kind of interesting. In Matthew 6, 12, if we go to Matthew 14 and 15, where Jesus has a, um, kind of amplifies this forgiveness thing, He says, for if you forgive other people when they... ...peraptoma against you... ...that word is trespasses. Ha, that's where we get trespasses. Peraptoma, against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their... ...peraptoma, Greek for trespasses... ...your Father will not forgive your... ...peraptoma, your trespasses. Now are you clear as mud now? So we're kind of all over the place. But really from the strictest, from the strictest uh, interpretation... You know, the best one probably is debts. That's what the Greek word means. But we Methodists say trespasses. Why, Caroline? I'm getting to it right here. So here's the rest of the story. Um, There was a man named uh, William Tyndale, and you can blame him for all of this. William Tyndale lived from 1494 to 1536. Now, what was going on from 1494 to 1536? The Gutenberg Press... All, you know, all of a sudden, they're discovering the printed word and they're learning how to mass produce it. So William Tyndale, in uh, what is now England, uh, he he was really passionate and wanted to get the language of Greek and Hebrew in the Bible into what people spoke, which was English, right? And so he did that, but uh, that was a crime back in the day. So King Henry the Eighth could not, you know, would, would, that, that would be forbidden to, to do that. It would be sedition, you would be a traitor, and you would be executed for something like that. So he kept asking for money in England to interpret the Bible in English, and none of the bishops would give him money. So he went out to the Netherlands, and he finally printed an English version of the New Testament... Well, way out there in the Netherlands, and we're still kind like, of in the Roman Empire at this time, um, he, uh, it got back to the king because guess what? People were buying copies and it was, they were selling like hotcakes and they were coming back into England and King Henry VIII wanted this guy's head. Um, for ten years, William Tyndale hid out around the Netherlands. He had, had, a, had a, well, you call him a friend, but I guess he's not a friend because for ten years... Um, he took this guy, Henry Phillips, under, under, his, under his wing, and Henry got to see all of his work and all this kind of stuff. One day, Henry took him out of these safe parts and walked him right into the arms of soldiers who captured him. Okay? So they, they captured him, but all these English books were, um, were, were published. Um, just a few months after he was captured, he was publicly executed um, uh, for, for this. And so, so, this was this was in 1536. So, what was the what? When did they finally get around to doing an official uh, English translation? What did they call it? King Jimmy, King James, right? And so, in 1611, King James wrote the first authorized English version of the Bible. Now, they pulled a lot of ironically, they pulled a lot of translation stuff from Bill Tyndale. But here's the funny thing about William Tyndale. He's the one that put, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He knew that the word was debts. I mean, the Greek word was debts, but he liked kind of making it uniform because Jesus then explains it, right? Um, In 1611, the King James Version, uh, they corrected that and they put debts there. But there was another book, and here's why, Caroline, I hope I had not lost you yet. There was another book that was published in 1549. It was the book of common prayer. And guess what translation they used for the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that is why Episcopalians, Methodists, Church of England, uh, Pentecostals, and others, uh, anything, Church of the Nazarene, Salvation Army, anything that came out of England used that book of common prayer. So you're welcome. Now you know the rest, um, the rest of the story. Um, whatever you call it sounds serious, doesn't it? Sins, debts, trespasses. Something is owed. Something needs to be made right. We start, right, with God giving us, give us this day our daily bread. We owe God everything. We're indebted. And God has come through. We're indebted to God for all that we have... ...and there's a way we can repay God back. We're debtors. We've trespassed against God. You know, Adam and Eve, you know, had everything they needed... ...and boom, they kind of jumped over the fence... ...and wandered into the one tree they weren't supposed to mess with, you know. And uh, we've been battling that ever since. We've sinned. We've missed the mark. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, that's one thing that I think just about anybody can be convinced of. We all make mistakes and we sin. At the very heart, at the very middle of Jesus' Lord's Prayer... is a word about debt forgiveness. And aren't we glad because we all owe? It's the heart of the prayer. It's also the heart of the gospel. It is right in the middle of the prayer. We're right in the middle of our series. Jesus revealed a God who is eager to forgive, to make right, to justify... Jesus very often forgave, right? Sometimes He forgave before somebody even asked for forgiveness. Oftentimes when He healed, He forgave and He healed. He told parables about forgiveness. I know you've heard the one about the prodigal son, but he, he even told another one about this guy who owed a lot of debts. And, and this guy was forgiven by his boss, but he kept a stranglehold on everybody that owed him. And it, uh, and it ended up real bad in Jesus' parable for this guy. He just just didn't get it. Um, He took it one step further. He said that, and this is the hard part, having been forgiven, um, having been forgiven, you and I have the power to forgive other people. Raise your hand if that comes easy or natural to you. Anybody? No. It's perhaps, no, it is the most powerful gift that you and I have been given. This is the only place in the Lord's Prayer where, where it's insinuated that we do something. We humans, we humans do everything else. We're concentrating on what God is doing. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, Forgive us as we forgive others. There's an assumption here, it's a big assumption. And at every corner of Jesus' ministry, forgiveness and mercy were right at the heart of it all. Somebody asked Jesus one time, Hey, how often must I forgive? They're um, looking at the rule book. It looked like there was sort of a limit to that. And asked Jesus seven times. There was a sort of a standard there. You go, You know, uh, I just don't want to keep getting burnt by people. So, Jesus, when can I give up on people and, and hold a grudge against them? And Jesus said, No, you don't forgive seven times, but what? You forgive seven times 70 times, right? Do y'all really think that was about Jesus saying now you can forgive up to 490 times? No. It means that for Parker, she is baptized into a forgiven and forgiving community. It is what we practice every single day. You can stop forgiving other people when God's love wears out and stops forgiving you. And you know when that's going to happen? Never, never, never. Man, I wish Jesus hadn't put that there. But He did. He did. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's a daily practice. And it is radical. It is radical. Back to the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass against us. There's an assumption that forgiveness is almost happening simultaneously, almost at the same time, you know, it's almost like I can't love God any more than I love other people. And that's scary because sometimes I don't love other people all that much. But that's, that's the challenge. That is the mark of the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus saying that forgiveness is conditional? It kind of sounds like that. Hey, if you withhold forgiveness from other people, God's not forgiving you. Um, it kind of sounds like that. But since, you know... I do believe God's forgiveness is, for us is unconditional. It's hard for me to believe that God's saying kind of what it maybe sounds like, although I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm trying to let myself off the hook. Um, but maybe it's more about reality. See, if you're not forgiving other people, you're not making room for God's forgiveness for you. If your fist is balled up all the time then there's no way to open up your hand to God and to receive what God is giving. Maybe it's just an impossibility. Kind of like we don't break God's law of gravity if we, if we jump off the roof of this building. We prove it, right? There's sort of like reality about this. So I've got to ask myself and I've got to ask you, how's your forgiveness? Where are you striving to forgive other people? However you see forgiveness, we can see how we share mercy with others. It's it's so important. It's the centerpiece. Um, It's the gift. It's the only thing God is asking us to do in this prayer. It's the only part of this prayer that that God's saying we do something. It's like, if you only get one thing right in life, Christians, followers of Jesus, please get this one thing right. So, okay... um, for giving debts, trespasses, and sins. Okay, okay, I hear it. But it's tough, and it is. But nobody ever said following Jesus was easy. It never is. And this may be the hardest thing we'll have to do. I, Sid was saying, hey, when you grow up, kids, this is going to be challenging. It's not going to be easy. But you know as well as I do that you can't carry all that hate inside you for long that there's something toxic about holding a grudge and rehearsing over and over what somebody has done to you, that that is not the way through and not the way out. And it just leads us into perpetuating ourselves over and over to the scene of the crime. There's one expert on forgiveness who's written books on it. um, And she said this, 100% of the cases where people withhold forgiveness, 100%, it's because they don't, Understand what forgiveness means. Well, let's talk about that for a moment as you think about your challenges in this area. Let's start by saying what forgiveness is not, okay? Forgiveness is not condoning what happened. It has nothing to do with a forgiving uh, experience. So that's, the fir- that's uh, slide five, Adin. Anybody up there? Yeah, slide five. There we go. Here we go. All right. Forgiveness is not condoning what happened. Just um, because you say I forgive you doesn't mean everything's all right and everything's fine. It has nothing to do with your willingness to open up your hand. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Some people say to forgive is to forget. It's nowhere to be found in the Bible. Because it's, it's impossible, I think. Maybe God can, but God is God and I'm not. It's not about forgetting what's happened. Sometimes it's really important maybe to remember what's happened so that you and I aren't re-victimized by someone. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Okay. You hope that that's what might happen, and sometimes it does happen. And when it does, it is like, wow, what an amazing power. But it's not, sadly, it's not always that, right? Sometimes the person that I know I've got to forgive doesn't even even think they've done me any wrong. They think, gosh, grow up, snowflake. You you, you know, come on. They may not think that, but deep down inside, I, I feel it. I feel that see, my forgiveness on that person is not conditional upon them saying they're sorry to me. It's me letting go. Forgiveness is not excusing someone from the consequences of their action. Hey, look, y'all, you know, when things go wrong, we, we, they have consequences, you know. I remember when I stole those little tire caps in the eighth grade, I stole them from the UPS and we were taking them off UPS trucks and they were going by the three ring binder. I had a big old pickle jar full of silver tire caps from UPS, right? They hired an investigator. And I'll be dog if Brad White, a really good friend of mine, he still is a good friend of mine, but kind of like William Tyndale and his friend, he turned me in. Um, They caught him red handed stealing it They arrested him. You know, we were in the eighth grade, right? So they bring him into the slammer. And I think he was more scared of his parents than he was about the cops. But they asked him to sing, and he sung like a bird. All 12 of us, you know. So there we are in front of the judge, you know, uh, going there. Now, all, all the cops were serving their warrants to everybody, but for some reason my parents were out of town, so I had to wait a terrible terrible 24 hours before the cops handed my parents the papers. They handed it to them while I was at Alexander Junior High. And I heard, Bruce Case, come to the office. Bruce Case, come to the office. And I walked. And there's my dad, you know. And you know what I wanted him to do? I wanted him just to chew me out and then fight for me and get me out of the mess I was in. But he did something way worse than that. He said, let's, let's, go by the, let's go by City Hall. Let's go, see, let's go see the judge. And I realized that he was going to let me feel the consequences of what I had done. And it was a powerful message. We don't, we're not excusing someone. Just because you love someone who's maybe being their own worst enemy, or it doesn't mean you're excusing what they're doing. You know eventually... When we're mistreating other people, when we're cutting corners, it's gonna catch up. I'm a Christian, but I love the idea of karma. You know, it does kind of come on back around, doesn't it? You know? Well, I guess we, we Southern Christians say, it all comes out in the wash, right? <laughs> Consequences. So when you do that, when you say, look, I love you and I forgive you, even if you can't, even if they live a thousand miles away, but you're holding them up in the light of forgiveness you 're doing the best favor you can for yourself let 's look at what forgiveness is real quickly. OK, Daniel, um, forgiveness is forgiveness is it 's forfeiting your right to get even with somebody, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and we'll live, eventually live in a world that 's toothless and blind, right? so you 're relinquishing the, that, that power, that toxic power that you have but you're trading it in for for the power of grace, something much, much more powerful. Forgiveness is setting the other person free from your grudge, right? Because, let's be honest, who's being more affected by the grudge that you're holding against them, you or them, right? It's you. So you let them go, and then you realize you're the one who gets to experience Freedom again. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is a process. The deeper the wound, the longer it takes to forgive. I want you to know if you are really broken hearted and if it's taking you weeks, months, or even years to let go. I want you to know I respect that. Sometimes Sometimes it happens such that it takes a long time for you to get to that point. And when I'm ever at that point where something's really nagging me, and I know I hadn't quite letting it go, then my prayer is, is let me loosen my grip just a little bit today, God, because I know it's doing nothing for me, and I know you want to set me free. Kind of in a relation uh, related to that is that forgiveness is painful, and it's powerful. You can't get the pain without the power. You can't get the power without the pain. It's as painful as dying on a cross. It's as powerful as the one who died on the cross. Forgiveness is why we notice Parker when she smiles. Because when I grow up, I want to be like Parker, like I was when I was maybe a baby, when I was at complete trust. And sometimes you have to go around that dark bend before you can get to that point. But where we start, y'all, is where we're finishing up. Because of the forgiveness of God. In the aftermath of the Rwandan massacre in the early 90s, didn't happen that long ago, when people were literally using machetes to kill one another and tribe against tribe. There were whole communities that were killed and it was just unthinkable what was going on there. After the fact, there were two Christians, Chantelle and Pascal. They were both from different tribes. This was after things had settled down, thank God. Chantelle shared with Pascal that she could not ever forgive her tormentors who took her family away from her. Who could blame her? I don't know that I could. Pascal, who lost her own family as well, she whispered to Chantel in the prayer... I know you can't forgive, but remember, forgiveness has a source. It's God who will give you the strength to forgive. God will help you. Oh, William Tyndale, who was executed for the crime of trying to get Bibles readable by the people in his country who was lured by a friend from the safe quarters of his residence into the arms of soldiers in the Netherlands. At the time of his execution, he was offered one last chance to recant. He said no. He refused. But they let him say a prayer, and this was his prayer. Dear God, may the king's eyes be opened. And they killed him. Another letter two months later... From an English agent to a leader, Cromwell, said this, who was at the execution. People are still talking about this man's love, compassion, and patience and the grace at the very time of his execution. He may have been a little off in his translation, but he was right on in living out what the Lord's prayer means. What would it take for us to be the sort of people who are free enough to forgive those who owed us something? That's our question. The answer probably is that it would take a miracle. Forgiveness has a source, y'all. The same power that rose Christ from the dead will do its redemptive work through you and through me. It's God. He will help you. Amen. I invite us now. Uh, this was uh, actually when you pray. It's a it's a devotional that I'm going through, and uh, I think it has a lot to do with sort of finding the, finding the strength to forgive. Our band members can yeah, y'all come up, come up if you want. Um, so I'll say the first part, and and you can come back on it. But just for strength for those of you who are struggling with this, and we all do from time to time. To say that I'm a Christian is really quite simple. But to live as a faithful follower of Jesus is another matter. Taking seriously the message of Jesus can be frightening and foreboding because in my honest moments I know that on my own I cannot live the way of love that Jesus taught and lived. When I look at the immediate consequences of this life, I realize that the way of love is asking too much and I am simply not up to living that way. Then, like a fresh burst of wind, the realization breaks upon me. I am not asked to do this on my own. I'm asked to follow Jesus. And that means not only to do what Jesus calls me to do, but also to accept the power and presence of God to make me more than I am and enable me to live as a beloved child. Amen and Amiens.